Hi everyone, welcome back to the MedBullet Step 1 podcast. In today's episode, we cover the topic of syringomyelia found under the neurology section at medbullets.com. Let's begin with a clinical snapshot. A 32-year-old man presents with bilateral upper extremity weakness and sensory loss. Approximately six months ago, he was involved in a motor vehicle accident. On physical exam, skin ulcerations are noted on the ventral aspect of the hands. There is preservation of light touch, vibration, and proprioception in the upper extremities bilaterally. MRI of the cervical spinal cord is performed, which demonstrates a syrinx. Let's continue with an introduction to syringomyelia. Remember that this refers to a cavitation within the spinal cord that damages the surrounding spinal tracts. Damage to the anterior white commissure of the spinal thalamic tract may result in a cape-like deficit in pain and temperature, but it preserves proprioception and vibration sense since this is in the dorsal columns. The cavitation expansion can compress the ventral horn motor neurons, which may result in bilateral flaccid paralysis. It may also involve the descending hypothalamic fibers to preganglionic sympathetic neurons of T1 through T4. This may result in Horner syndrome. Conditions that are associated include Arnold Chiari malformation, spinal trauma, and malignancy. In terms of the epidemiology, males are affected more often than females, and patients are typically between 30 and 40 years old. Moving on to the presentation. Symptoms may include bilateral loss of pain and temperature sensation, typically at the C8 to T1 distribution, which results in a quote-unquote cape-like distribution. There may also be muscle atrophy and weakness if the anterior motor horns are involved. And another presentation may include Horner syndrome if the descending first-order sympathetic neurons are involved, since these run close to the lateral spinal thalamic tracts in the medulla. In terms of the evaluation, an MRI can be performed which may demonstrate a syrinx cavity, and one should rule out Chiari malformation if a syrinx cavity is noted. In terms of the differential, make sure to think about a spinal epidural abscess, diabetic neuropathy, and acute inflammatory demyelinating polyradicular neuropathy. In terms of treatment, surgical options may be indicated, such as in post-traumatic situations where a decompression may be indicated. One may also have to surgically correct the underlying condition. For example, a posterior fossa decompression in Chiari malformation may be indicated. In terms of the prognosis, this will be dependent on the etiology and severity. And lastly, with regards to complications, these may include neuropathic pain and bulbar symptoms in patients with syringobulbia. Now that we've discussed the major points relating to syringomyelia, Let's walk through some questions to apply what we've learned and get a sense of how the topic might be tested. For the first question, consider the following clinical scenario. A 65-year-old man presents to the clinic with complaints of pain and numbness in both of his hands. He reports decreased sensation and tingling in both of his hands that began about two months ago. The pain is described as an intermittent burning sensation that is worse at night. He denies any fevers, chills, loss of bowel or urinary control, lightheadedness, or focal weakness. His medical history is significant for diabetes, hypertension, and a herniated C7 disc secondary to a motor vehicle accident three years ago. Family history is non-contributory. 
he endorses a 15-pack-year smoking history and intravenous drug use. A physical exam demonstrates decreased sensation to pinprick to his bilateral hands, arms, and shoulders. What is the most likely explanation for this patient's symptoms? And the answer choices are... Choice 1. Collection of infectious material at the spinal epidural space. Choice 2. Damage to the anterior white commissure of the spinal thalamic tract. Choice 3. Demyelinating lesions at the central nervous system that are separated by space and time. Choice 4. Entrapment of the median nerve at the carpal tunnel. Or choice 5. Neuronal ischemia secondary to chronic hyperglycemia. The best answer to this question is choice two, damage to the anterior white commissure of the spinal thalamic tract. This patient likely has post-traumatic syringomyelia, as demonstrated by the characteristic bilateral pain and loss of sensation at the C8 to T1 distribution. This is due to damage of the anterior white commissure of the spinal thalamic tract. Syringomyelia describes a fluid-filled cavity within the spinal cord that often occurs between C2 and T9. It is most commonly associated with Chiari malformation type 1. However, other conditions including infections, inflammation such as in transverse myelitis, neoplasms, and trauma can also cause syringomyelia. Due to its location at the intramedullary cavity, syringomyelia leads to damage of the anterior white commissure of the spinal thalamic tract. Patients may present asymptomatically with incidental findings on imaging studies. Others may present with loss of pain and temperature, and sometimes bowel and bladder deficits, depending on its location. It is worth noting that some patients may experience progressive pain and weakness later in the disease course due to neuropathic pain. Post-traumatic syringomyelia can develop within months to years following the initial trauma. Diagnosis is usually via magnetic resonance imaging, which typically demonstrates the intramedullary cavity. Treatment is often supportive. Surgical options, including cyst fenestration or shunt placement, are indicated in patients with neurologic deterioration or intractable pain. Let's also discuss why the other choices are incorrect. Choice 1. Collection of infectious material at the epidural space describes a spinal epidural abscess. Risk factors include epidural catheters, diabetes, alcoholism, HIV infection, bacteremia, and intravenous drug use. Bacteria can gain access to the site hematogenously or via direct inoculation. Patients commonly present with fever, general malaise, spinal pain, and neurologic deficits. The patient does not have a fever and only endorses pain at his upper extremities. Choice 3. Demyelinating lesions at the central nervous system that are separated by space and time describes multiple sclerosis. The disease is characterized by its relapsing and progressive nature, and it presents initially with clinically distinct episodes of central nervous system dysfunction, such as optic neuritis or partial transverse myelitis. Although this patient's pain and sensory deficit of the upper extremities may suggest transverse myelitis, he lacks previous episodes of central nervous system dysfunction 
to satisfy the diagnostic criteria. In addition, this patient does not fit the demographic of multiple sclerosis, which often presents in patients in their late 20s or early 30s. Choice 4. Entrapment of the median nerve at the carpal tunnel describes carpal tunnel syndrome. Patients often complain of pain, numbness, and tingling sensations at the thumb, index finger, and middle finger. Risk factors include obesity, repetitive wrist work, pregnancy, and rheumatoid arthritis. This patient's symptoms, such as the pain and decreased sensation at the bilateral upper extremities, do not align with that of carpal tunnel syndrome. Choice 5. Neuronal ischemia secondary to chronic hyperglycemia describes diabetic neuropathy. In a patient with poorly controlled diabetes, it is important to consider diabetic neuropathy as a differential diagnosis. Long nerve fibers are affected to a greater degree than shorter ones, and therefore sensation and loss of reflexes first occur at the feet and extend upward in a glove-stocking distribution. It is therefore uncommon to see isolated sensory deficits in the bilateral upper extremities as seen in this patient. In addition, the condition often occurs in conjunction with autonomic neuropathy, which can present with orthostatic hypotension or gastroparesis. Finally, a bullet summary. Syringomyelia presents with pain and decreased sensation secondary to damage to the anterior white commissure at the spinal thalamic tract. For the second question, consider the following clinical scenario. A 37-year-old man presents to his primary care provider complaining of bilateral arm numbness. He was involved in a motor vehicle accident three months ago. His past medical history is notable for obesity and psoriatic arthritis. He takes adalimumab. His temperature is 99.3 degrees Fahrenheit or 37.4 degrees Celsius. Blood pressure is 130 over 85. Pulse is 90 beats per minute and respirations are 18 breaths per minute. On exam, superficial skin ulcerations are found on his fingers bilaterally. His strength is 5 out of 5 bilaterally in shoulder abduction, arm flexion, arm extension, wrist extension, finger abduction, and thumb flexion. He demonstrates loss of light touch and pinprick sensation in the distal tips of his second and fifth fingertips and over the dorsal first web space. Vibratory sense is intact in the bilateral upper and lower extremities. Which of the following nervous system structures is most likely affected in this patient? And the answer choices are Choice 1. The ventral white commissure Choice 2. Ventral horns Choice 3. Cuneate fasciculus Choice 4. Anterior corticospinal tract Or Choice 5. Spinocerebellar tract The best answer to this question is choice one, ventral white commissure. This patient presents with post-traumatic bilateral distal upper extremity loss of pain sensation and light touch, suggestive of syringomyelia. This condition is caused by a spinal cord cavitation that damages the ventral white commissure of the spinal thalamic tract, leading to a quote-unquote cape-like deficit in sensation. Syringomyelia initially causes bilateral loss of pain and temperature sensation, 
due to disruption of lateral spinal thalamic fibers crossing at the ventral commissure. This most commonly occurs at the level of C8 and T1, which is responsible for sensation to the hand and fingers and intrinsic hand muscle innervation. Expansion of the cavitation can affect the ventral horns, leading to weakness at the level of sensory loss. Additionally, it can present with skin ulceration on the hands. Vibratory sense, proprioception, and two-point discrimination are typically intact because the dorsal columns are spared. This condition is also associated with Arnold Chiari malformations. Let's also discuss why the other choices are incorrect. Choice two, the ventral horns contain lower motor neurons that project into the periphery to innervate skeletal and smooth muscles. Although the ventral horns may eventually be affected in syringomyelia, the patient in this vignette does not yet present with any significant motor weakness. Choice three, the cuneate fasciculus is one of the two dorsal columns responsible for transmitting vibratory and proprioceptive information from the periphery to the central nervous system. The cuneate fasciculus transmits information from the cervical and thoracic spine, while the gracile fasciculus transmits information from the lumbar and sacral spine. Choice four, the anterior corticospinal tract is a small bundle of descending motor fibers that controls movements of the axial muscles. It is located in the most ventral aspect of the spinal cord and is not typically affected in patients with syringomyelia. Choice five, the spinocerebellar tract is located in the anterolateral spinal cord and transmits proprioceptive information from the periphery to the cerebellum. Finally, a bullet summary. Syringomyelia is caused by a cavitation in the cervicothoracic spinal cord that disrupts the anterior white commissure leading to bilateral upper extremity loss of pain and temperature sensation. For the third question, consider the following clinical scenario. A 27-year-old woman comes to the clinic for blisters on both hands. The patient has a past medical history of asthma, eczema, and a car accident two years ago when she sustained a concussion. She also reports frequent transient episodes of blurred vision that clear with artificial tears. When asked about her blisters, the patient claims she was baking yesterday and forgot to take the pan out with oven gloves. Physical exam demonstrates weeping blisters bilaterally, concentrated along the palmar surfaces of both hands, and decreased pinprick sensation along the arms bilaterally. What is the most likely explanation for this patient's symptoms? And the answer choices are, choice one, brain contusion. Choice two, multiple sclerosis. Choice three, Sjogren's syndrome. Choice four, syringomyelia at the cervicothoracic region. Or choice five, syringomyelia at the lumbar region. The best answer to this question is, choice four, syringomyelia at the cervicothoracic region. This patient is presenting with signs of syringomyelia at the cervicothoracic region which classically presents with a cape-like bilateral loss of pain and temperature sensation of the upper extremities. This would explain her lack of pain when grabbing the baking tray without gloves, leading to blisters of both hands. Syringomyelia is a cystic cavity or syrinx within the central canal of the spinal cord, and it most commonly occurs at the C8 to T1 level. 
due to the location, fibers that cross at the anterior white commissure, which are responsible for pain and temperature, are damaged first. It is often seen with Chiari malformations and tumors, but it may also result from hyperextension injuries seen in car accidents. Let's also discuss why the other choices are incorrect. Choice 1. Brain contusion is a bruise of the brain tissue and it occurs in 20% of severe head injuries. Patients often present with generalized headaches, confusion, sleepiness, and dizziness instead of focal neurological deficits seen in this patient. In addition, her car accident was two years ago and thus potential brain contusions would have likely resolved. Choice two, multiple sclerosis presents with symptoms that are disseminated in space and time. This patient's atopic conditions and transient blurred vision may suggest multiple sclerosis. However, optic neuritis often presents with pain and lasts several days. Blurred vision that clears with artificial tears is likely due to dry eyes. Choice three, Sjogren syndrome is an autoimmune disorder characterized by destruction of exocrine glands including the lacrimal and salivary glands. Patients most commonly present with keratoconjunctivitis sicca, xerostomia, and inflammatory joint pain. Though this patient's dry eyes may be explained by Sjogren's syndrome, her bilateral loss of pain and temperature suggests syringomyelia. Choice five, syringomyelia at the lumbar region would not present with bilateral loss of pain and temperature of the upper extremities. Finally, a bullet summary. Syringomyelia most commonly occurs at the C8 to T1 region and presents with a cape-like bilateral loss of pain and temperature of the upper extremities. That's all for this review about syringomyelia. We hope that was helpful. This is the MedBullets Step 1 podcast, a daily audio review session for MedBullets, the free learning and collaboration community for medical student education. As a reminder, you can follow along with these podcast episodes by reviewing the topics directly on MedBullets.com. You can listen to these episodes on the MedBullets website or phone app while reading through the topic. If the MedBullets podcast has been valuable to you, we'd be thrilled if you considered leaving us a five-star rating and writing us a review on Apple Podcasts. It will help us spread the word and increase our discoverability tremendously. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you all tomorrow right here on the MedBullet Step 1 Podcast.